Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to another episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the Batman to my Superman. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? That was so nice of you to give me... Sorry. That was so nice of you to give me Batman. I just knew you'd like it. That's I did that. Um, and our very own Aquaman, that's right, coming to theater near you this December. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how's it, how is it being Jason Mimosa? What's up, Jason Mimosa. Some people will say that's extra syllables. Why do you make that joke? And I say, because my friend came up with it, and it's hilarious. Yeah. Right now, right now, outside of Wonder Woman, I'll be Aquaman because that's like the only thing DC's doing right. What are I, you talking about? I actually think the Aquaman movie looks fun. Is that is that yeah. is that a hot take? No, it looks very fun. It Shazam looks, looks fun. Unoffensively very watchable. Shazam looks funny. Like I uh, like superhero big. All right. Yeah. Okay. I, I get that. I I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't want to talk about the DC anymore. I, I changed my mind. <laughs> I'm in the eject Buyers on this conversation. Yeah, you want to you want to go straight to the yeah. That's right. Off. Let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and let's get straight to the fun. Make stuff. ourselves feel better by talking about the Seahawks offense. Seattle, hey, you know what? Most people didn't have to watch this game twice like I did. Kevin, I think that the video player broke for you, right? When you tried to rewatch it. Yeah, I lucky. think it was out of pity. You are lucky. Yeah, exactly. Like, I watched I, the extended highlights. I'm surprised they found so many. I'm standing. I'm sitting there during my planning, watching it, and I'm just like have my hands on my head, and I'm just like so stressed out. And I'm like, why am I? doing this to myself this is just me literally torturing myself for the for the love of the pod it's like i i I don't know i just had to go for it eric um when that game ended just in your heart what did you feel uh failure um exactly what i thought i'd feel here's my thing is i really thought the seahawks were going to be eight and one to start the year and end at nine and seven and you know the hope springs eternal attitude going into the season had me thinking like you know what, maybe we are a playoff team. Maybe everything's going to be okay. But at this point, I'm feeling like our offensive line is better and it doesn't matter. I feel like our offense is stalling slower than it did. Like it stalled a lot quicker under Bevel. But it doesn't matter because our offense is clearly not on the same page between Pete uh, Schottenheimer and Russ. And that's a big deal. I'm feeling like... We still don't have a pass rush, but our defense might be okay. But we have no run identity, no real offensive identity. I'm feeling lost and a little bit hopeless as a Seahawks fan, okay, honestly. Let me, let me say something about that, Eric. You said that you thought we'd start off really hot. Before the season started, we all do our preview podcast, and I, I pick, we pick every game. We use this website. It's called NFL Playoff Predictors. You can go to it. It's a really cool website, playoffpredictors.com. And then you pick every game, and it spits out the records, and the records are perfect, right? You don't have it's. You're not going to end up with an uneven number because we actually like clicked and picked every game. Well, when I did my playoff predictor for the Seahawks this year, I picked us to go nine and seven, and I picked us to lose these two games before the season started. So I can't say like I'm I'm. It's unexpected for me, and I should change all my predictions. It's not that we lost. It's kind of the way we lost in like an agonizingly like almost fashion where I felt like both those games were winnable games at points and we just kind of let it the sand fall through our fingers mm-hmm. that stuff kind of that's the that's the thing that drives me nuts because like yeah I, I did I think we were gonna go like you know three and five or two and six on the road and be pretty medium on the road yeah that's kind of the way I felt because this defense is not built to win on the road the great defenses of the past that just go on the road and dominate the game that is in the the past um, these are good defenses that maybe might be able to eke out a few good performances on the road, but they're going to be a lot better at home. And we haven't seen them at home yet this season. So I think hold your horses on the doom and gloom. This defensive line's really bad. We Wait till after this week when they face a, a really um, – everyone knows now the Cowboys' offensive line's not that good. Uh, it's it's very okay, and we'll see what they've got. This is this will be the test this week. Uh, Kevin, how did what were you thinking? What were your thoughts after the game? 
Uh, I had a similar feeling where, you know, Lockett caught the touchdown pass and we were only, it was 10-17 with most of the fourth quarter left. And I was like, you know, we might have uh, and then pick six. Right, and the the, the, the pick six after the uh, after timeout gate, uh, and that just felt so awful. That pick six, by the way, was very reminiscent of the uh, "I want the ball and we're going to score" yeah. by Matt Hasselbeck. <laughs> it was a it was a seven drop hitch, uh, except this one looked like it was run correctly, and that the uh, the Bears had seen let's, it all game and they decided and to jump let's the route. About, and Penny a little bit just stood there. The play. And it was such a telegraph play. Yeah, Russ just stares at the same guy the whole play. He never looks right, never changes his read, just looks at the receiver, looks at the receiver. For a veteran cornerback like Prince of Makamura, that is like candy. He's taking candy from a baby. He it just, was so sad, though. The announcers were him. like, wow, he's only ever had one other interception in his career. It was like that scene in Major League Two where it's like, <laughs> that, that guy had never hit a home run before, but he hit one off you. Yeah, this was... This is a rough game to watch the offense. But let's be honest, like Bears are probably going to be a fringe playoff contender. The Broncos are going to be a fringe playoff contender at this point. We're looking at two we teams. We were a roughly 8-8 eight and eight team playing a bunch of other 8-8 eight and eight teams close. Or like a bunch of teams that maybe are slightly better than us. Like if I, if I stacked up the rosters, I'd say like both those teams are pretty similar to us in talent level. We had to go on the road and play them both. We played tough. Uh, I'm not ashamed of the way the team played. I think that there's a good chance they, they really turn it around this week. Uh, against the the Cowboys. We'll talk about that later. So, Nathan? Let's review the last game, though. Real quick. Offense or defense, Kevin? You you want to rip off the band and go offense first, right? Yeah, let's go offense first. <laughs> oh, but I was going to ask the, the, the classic question. Oh, okay. Because I had them going 3-3 three and three into the bye when you look at our schedule. Sure. I also have us going 3-3 three and three into the bye. The classic question is, are the Seattle Seahawks the good-bad team? Um... I will say this. We can get to eight wins without ever beating a team that I feel like is very good. Um, yep. So so let's um, – we, if we beat San Francisco twice, we beat – That's looking very likely. We beat the Lions. We beat the Raiders. We beat the Cardinals twice. That's like six wins right there. Beat the Cowboys. That's seven. Beat, and yeah. then and then you just got to beat like the Chargers at home, which the Chargers don't – they seem like they slept, walked into the season. Something's wrong with them. Or, um, you know, maybe – Maybe you catch like the Chiefs in Week 16 already having locked up like the two seed, and they're going to rest guys for a couple weeks. Or Carolina just injures their players. Yeah, or the Packers on the road. Like maybe that that point, Aaron Rodgers is is actually not playing anymore. Uh, there's there's a lot of games at the end of the schedule that could be really funky. The Rams forfeit a game. The uh, Chiefs, we could win that one 72 to 71. Yeah, maybe. I don't. That Chiefs team is weird. Uh, <laughs> their defense does not seem very good, but the offense is just electric. The games will always be exciting. The, best defense, the, best offense. All right, let's all right, let's, let's go. Do this. Seahawks versus Bears offense. You want um, me to give the quick statistical rundown? Uh, sure, go ahead and give us the numbers. All right, Russell Wilson with a lot of garbage time effort was 22 for 36 for 226, two touchdowns and a pick, 6.3 yards per attempt, three carries, 17 yards, sacked six times. Yeah, can we talk about the sacks really quick? Let's do it. Let's go. Okay. Mm. They only credited three of the sacks on Pro Football Focus, two actual players. Pro I would sacks, agree. Afedi and Wilson. The other three sacks, I think, are all like coverage sacks or uh, weird stuff. Uh, they did give up 11 pressures, though, and a, I, a lot of it is from Posich and Afedi. The interior uh, did not play well. Yeah, and I, I think Afedi just got bullied a little bit some plays. I thought he held up as good as you could expect, and the pass blocking in this game was not horrible. Agreed. Uh, Brown was fine. I thought Sweezy held up good in the pass game. In the mm. run game, he was a joke. 
So he definitely made up for it on the other side. I feel like they're not asking a lot from Sweezy. Postage, same thing. Like, he gave up two hurries, but it's not, like, a dumpster fire, a Fetty, same thing. Like, I thought that overall... Uh, the offensive line performed fine in the pass game. In the run game, I there I did not notice there being much of anywhere for anyone to run. Um, did you did you feel the same way, Kevin, as you watched? Uh, I feel like again, it's like we talked about last time. I just don't think this offensive line is a good mesh for Rashad Penny's running style. If you looked in the first quarter. Uh, when Carson was getting the ball, he was able to crash in there and pick up some yardage. There weren't any big holes, but if you made a decisive cut, I felt like there were about there was a yard or two before you got hit that was going to be there. Carson ran for 24 yards in the game. 22 of them were after first contact. Penny ran for 30 yards in this game, and 18 of them were after first contact. Yep. It just felt like there wasn't a lot of room for this team to run, and we did what we always do. We gave up on the run. We had 19 rush attempts, zero by Russell Wilson. I just don't imagine, you know, the, the three scrambles for 17 yards are nice, but without any designed runs, this offense feels so flat. Yeah, 19 runs, 36 passes. I was a little upset in the beginning. It looked like we were about to run the the read option, and we didn't. And I feel like the Bears were susceptible to it. And then after that, they they ate our lunch. It didn't matter. It's a way to it's a way to punish aggressive defenses. And I ever since Russ got paid, I don't want to put it on that. I hate being that guy. That feels very talk radio to me. But like ever, that seems to be the turning point where he stopped doing zone reads and he stopped keeping on zone reads. But I don't think that's on him. I think that's on the play calling. Right? Maybe they're trying to protect him. Maybe they think that's old NFL. I don't really know. Um, they did blitz three times. Uh, they did get three sacks on blitzes and three sacks without blitzes. So that's kind of an interesting, um, I think, stat. Uh, we were really bad when they blitzed too. Uh, we did not handle it very well. And I think that I've noticed the running blocks, the running backs that aren't Mike Davis, do not block super great uh, when they're on the field. They seem not to know where to go or where to shift. And I don't know if that's a like a rust play calling problem or the they're just not good run <laughs> pass blockers. Not 100% sure. Procise blew a, block, a really bad block. Like the one, basically after that point, they took him out of the game. They were like, no more for you. Because <laughs> even though he had a good day catching the ball. Right. I thought he was pretty decent up yeah, to that point. Yeah, three catches on three targets for 22. You're going to get your guy murdered. Like, you can't. I don't know. That's, that's on me. I think that one of those sacks was definitely on Procise. Like, he failed horribly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just I was frustrated the whole game by the offense because I felt like Russ had time to throw. And you know, I hate I do I hate doing that thing where they show the replay and I'm just counting and I'm like one, two, three, four. Why isn't he throwing it yet? Like, yeah, this is his fault. Like, I just don't know what to do within that situation. Just well, it's so, one so of two things. It's either Russ isn't getting rid of the ball or it's a coverage issue. And when you look at the interception that Prince of Mukamara had, you have to wonder like we're two games into the Schottenheimer era and they already have our offense's number. They already know the route that we're going to run. Mm. They already are able to stop it. I mean, you have to wonder, like, are people just not getting open or is Russ not trusting anyone? Another thing, too, is, is Russ only attempted uh, four passes longer than 20 yards and went one for four on those. Russ has a nice deep ball, and that's just a weapon that we completely decided not to use. I understand that the safeties for Chicago are good, but it seemed like we just abandoned that aspect. That we have Lockett potential. and Brown. Those are two good deep receivers. Right, you could take the top off the defense a couple times or at least make them respect it. I don't know. I, I was, Like I said, I was very frustrated by this game. Um Rushing by direction doesn't isn't a real uh, positive thing either. You know, it doesn't matter which way we ran. It was bad in all directions. Um, the right tackle run was actually run was like the best 
slot of the game off right tackle off right end so that's probably because disley and uh fetty actually pretty combo up pretty well on the right tackle right end blocks so yeah when fluker gets back in there that could actually be a real strength for the team i'm i i'm like tired of burying a fetty because it's it's uh it's a hard situation to go against khalil mack and i thought he held up as good as you could expect um, he looked more impressive than I thought he would. I mean, he looked there was at his where, worst. There was plays where he stood up, Mac, and like so there were plays where he got bullied. One of the worst, he looked like bag. Justin Britt his rookie year, like getting pushed back into Russ. But he didn't let Afedi, or I'm sorry, he didn't let Mac, you know, get past him on the speed rush. I was he gave up one sack, like hesitantly impressed with Jermaine Afedi. Well, and you give like one more long pass to Lockett, and I think you're pretty happy with what we got out of the passing game. The problem was there was no combo up from the run game, and so we were constantly behind the sticks. Yeah. We were in third and medium, third and not particularly good, and it really felt like the Seahawks offenses of yore. It was like instead of run, run, pass, punt, it was run, pass, pass, punt. It was That was the difference between... Because the run play was just not working. And we kind of had the illusion that we were sticking to the run, but we didn't. Yeah, none of yeah. the none of nobody had a good run block grade on Pro Football Focus. Like n- I thought, the run blocking was was generally pretty bad. That's across the board. It doesn't matter who you look at. I didn't think any of those guys really ran block super good, and it kind of shows on the in the stat sheet. All right. Yeah, I feel like they just had we their have to hands talk full. about this anymore. <laughs> Really, Tyler Kevin, Lockett. Okay, have? fine. Let's get some compliments. Tyler Lockett. I like Tyler Lockett. He's very good. Um, he, he looks like old Tyler Lockett. He is a good, yes, good football player. Five receptions, sixty yards. I touchdown. did not think he'd get there. He looks um, worth his contract. Uh, Will Disley, Will Disley. Uh, showed that it wasn't just one game. Like he really is a load in the middle. He's hard to bring down. He's able to get open if you put a linebacker on him. He can get open after a chip too, which is something I like to see a, a young blocking tight end like him do. He chipped Mac and then got open a couple times, which I feel like is pretty impressive. I was very happy about that. Nick Vinette easily slid into the Luke Wilson role. Yeah, Vinette's Vinette's the pass catching guy, and I like that. I, looks, I like that he's improving each game. I it think. seems like while Baldwin, yeah, while Baldwin is out, two uh, one is our base offense, which is fine with me because Vinette and Disley are both really good. Yeah, and Vinette's kind of like just an extra large wide receiver in a lot of ways. Yeah. And then um, I thought Marshall was fine. Yep. You know, targeted six times, get, got four receptions. I thought Brown did Brown things. Procise looked really good in the past game, uh, other than the, that one pass block. But he got three receptions and he worked his way into the game. I like CJ Procise. I want to see more of him kind of coming around. Why did Mike Davis get half as many carries as Chris Carson? Why was Mike Davis on the the field when period. Chris Carson exists. Here's the thing. Mike Davis is the best pass blocking running back on this team. It's not close. That's the reason he's playing. I can put Trey Madden in the backfield or run a two back system, I guess, but like, or, you know, keep a tight end in or H back system with Vanette or something, like something, but like, end. that's not the answer. Well, it is very frustrating to watch because I will agree. There's a talent deficit when Mike Davis is on the field. Any, I love Mike Davis, but he's depth. He's not a guy we need to be relying on after the game. They asked Pete, you know, what happened with Chris Carson, and he he alluded to something like it wasn't working out there, like he was hurt, and then today he backtracked on that. Uh, this is the first time in in the Pete Carroll era, outside of when we he was first hired, and I didn't think he was going to do anything for us. That I was like, oh, what are you, what are you doing? Pete? He buried himself. He said he made a mistake. He did, and he even he admitted to the little, uh, you know, the miscommunications on the team and how he. 
you know, he made a mistake calling the timeout. Wait, that was a mistake. It was. It but took you, all the momentum out of the offense. Russ, for goes, him, Russ goes over to the, the sideline. Yes. He's yelling at the sideline. And it just took the air out of the balloon. Even if, even if uh, you know, at the end of the timeout, they're high-fiving and hitting each other on the chest and they're good. It doesn't matter. Like, it, the, just that moment of, like, dude, why are you doubting me is, is not what they needed. And, I mean, I don't know. Penny had the drop that led to the. You could see the tension too. on Russell Wilson, I, and he never shows tension among amongst his teammates. Just a the I thought the the, the receiving players, the the ones that we count on, you know, Lockett, Vanette, Disley, Brandon Marshall, they all looked pretty good. Jaron Brown was pretty pretty good too. Yeah, we got the game we needed out of that ancillary talent. It would have been nice to get maybe one or two more deep balls towards Brown or Lockett just to see if you could pull the top off, like we talked about, but. Honestly, the pass game wasn't my major concern. It was a little too conservative. I felt like they were trying to do a lot of quick hits that didn't get open, which is where Russ ended up having to wait forever. They ran one of them old school bubble screens to lock it. I was like, don't ever run that play again. That play is like eye bleach for me at this point. That only works if you have to respect Lockett going deep. They don't make you respect Lockett going deep, so they're just going to cover him up tight. That's fair. Okay. All right. You ready to go defense, again, let's, boys? Let's hit that defense. Okay, the, de- the defense. Um, want to start? You want to get the uh, you want the ice cream or the vegetables? Vegetables. Vegetables. Let's get the vegetables out of the way. Uh, linebacker, Calitro, uh, targeted six to eight times in the past game, gave up six receptions, thirty-seven yards, uh, and a touchdown. I'm gonna get. It turned out still bad. I'm gonna give Austin Calitro a, a solid D minus for this game. I did not, no respect for that. Uh, can I point out something real quick? He's young. He's so young. Like I don't. He's being thrown to the wolves. I want to give you something to think about here, though. Yeah, go for it. Uh, so, I also saw Tetrick Thompson got 13 snaps. We yes. did experiment with a three safety look using Brad in the box My with favorite. Earl and. Tedrick, you ready for my favorite play from my favorite thing that happened while we had three safeties on the field? Uh, that'd be the tip pick. Okay, so no, Shaquille Griffin gets the really great pick on the sideline, and then Tedrick comes. Tedrick comes over to block yes. uh, Allen Robinson and just <laughs> murders him on the side. <laughs> just blows Allen Robinson off the field, even though the play is basically over. I was like, yeah. That's my guy. That's Tedrick Thompson right there. Oh, that was I, funny. I, I know that. That was when I was like, "Oh, they ran three linebackers in this play." Yeah, there were three three safeties. Yeah, <laughs> three safeties. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I'm a big fan of Brad McDougald being our third linebacker. Yeah, I think it's going to work better than Cleacher or Quim at this point. Well, uh, we consider how by effective week, by week uh, like Kendricks or, was by week ten or twelve. Uh, Kendricks, I liked. Yeah, Kendricks Ken- was a really solid weak side linebacker. For yeah. a guy who is still learning the system, he yeah. was able to rush the passer Ken- with some success, and he was decent in coverage. Yeah, he got a he got a sack. He had two tackles. He was targeted three times in the past game. We only gave up two receptions. He had a pass breakup, and the receptions, uh, one of them was really bad, and one of them was was nothing. So, he actually had a very KJ Wright game. Yeah, and yeah. It, with it, a little practice, he imp- he was impressive. It's a tough it's a tough uh, matchup to like defend Tariq Cohen all game, and I thought he did an admirable job. Yeah, did our very own Martha Stewart. Um, I would say Kendricks, I, if he's with us the rest of the season, he will be a very solid rotation player into the uh, as a third third linebacker or you know getting like thirty snaps a game, uh, backing up KJ and Bobby. Uh, let's go to uh, so you want more vegetables, Eric? Uh, I don't it's, really want any whatever, more. But whatever if you defensive got, end played on the opposite beats. whatever defensive end played on the opposite side of Frank Clark uh, didn't really have a, a very good day. <laughs> uh, it didn't matter who it was: Deion Jordan, Rasheem Green, Quentin Jefferson. They each got one. Uh, hurry they uh each got one or two they each got one stop uh i don't know they were just they were all 
meh. Yeah, they're very replacement level. Yeah, and it, it's we need we needed more from that because Frank Clark tore it up five uh, five total pressures, one sack, four hurries. Oh, that that's ice cream. Sorry, I should stop. Uh, but Jacob Martin <laughs> can't wait. I will say also, Jacob Martin was bad. Jacob Martin needs a year in the weight room before we should ever see him on the field again. Seven snaps, and it was noticeable when he was on the yeah. field. That's 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 how not, you know. Not good noticeable either. Uh, Puna Ford also same thing. Like he he played it. Uh, too many snaps and i was like dude the problem was he played a lot of snaps when they weren't <laughs> running if they're running a lot put puna ford in if they're not running that much eh, i think that's better with nas the, jones the, the, getting pressure other thing too is jaron reed was really good in this game and nas jones only had 12 snaps they are easing him back in he was good yes when nas jones was in the game i was like super into it he got a hurry and he uh, had he got a tackle but the nas jones when he's like fully healthy i'm i'm ready for just a heavy dose of Naz Jones. I think that's why they felt comfortable getting rid of Tom Johnson. Yep, you know? if Naz Jones and Deion Jordan can both get back, our front four with Reed, Jones, Clark, and Jordan is a very formidable front four. All right, so we got the veggies, are the veggies out of the way. Let's get the good stuff, okay? Uh, Brad and Earl, fantastic. <sighs> They're great. Um, it's one of the, it's a top five safety pairing in the NFL. I think at this point, Earl Thomas is playing for the big contract and he's going to earn it. Um, big Earl fan, big Brad fan. They, they were great. Can I talk about some Brad? Yeah. Give me some Brad. Four run stops, dude. Four run stops. I love Brad. Brad McDougald. Brad McDougald is very good. I love that he's versatile. He can play, uh, in the box. He can play outside. He's a better in coverage than cam he doesn't get the highlight real hits but i think as a cog in this defense he actually i know this is sacrilege i think he's a better chess piece uh here's i don't know if i'm gonna really go there like i cam chancellor is a game changer because he brings the fear because he of God makes no people. one want to go over the middle yeah. ever here's the thing about brad though okay so brad is the new cliff averill cliff averill wasn't flashy he ne- no one was ever like oh my god it's that cliff averill except for us because we, yeah. we love cliff uh but that man built houses. Yeah, he's the best. Uh, but Brad can do everything, just like Cliff could. Yep, he's the he's the safety Swiss equivalent. army safety. He, his contract is not absurd. It's very team friendly. Well, like Cliff just Averill, like, just like Cliff. But like Cliff Averill, he also takes his role and he's not looking like I want this. And I need this more. Just I'm like, a safety. I want to play safety. No, he plays anywhere we need him to. Yeah, and just like Cliff, he makes plays, man. Just like Cliff, he makes plays. Four run stops. Uh, eight tackles in this game. He was everywhere, all over the football Tip field. Tip the pass for the very, interception. Very big pass breakup. Tackle exactly. for the loss. You know, he's a in Saturday Night Live. They call him the glue guy, the guy you can just put in any skit Kevin, and he'll make it happen. Kevin Hockbogger stole our phrase, but I think it's time for you to say it. Let's do it. Are we saying that Bradley McDougald is the straw that stirs the drink? I think Earl Thomas is probably the straw. I would also but agree, but it was a good. Maybe, it was a good. Maybe piece. Brad. Brad is the. Uh, Brad's like the the cream and the sugar. You know, you can't. The coffee's just not quite the same without it. <laughs> I know you drink your coffee black, Kevin. So this analogy doesn't work for you. This is not. This is not for me. Uh, Justin Coleman. He's the Arabica. Justin Coleman was really great. Only targeted one time. Uh, really did his. He did his job. Oh, I wish he would have had that pick though. When I yeah. when uh, Clark almost came up with the interception or with the sack, and uh, Trubisky just threw it for his life. Yeah. Oh man, that would have been so sweet if Coleman got it. And we already but they talk- got the field goal and it didn't matter. Anyway. Already talked about Tedrick. Already mentioned Frank. Uh, let's let's talk about uh, Shaquille Griffin. He had two fantastic interceptions. Uh, very athletic plays. He was also targeted 10 times in this game and gave up seven receptions. To me, this is like the quintessential Shaquille Griffin learning experience game where he was like, he showed you why he's going to be the man 
and he also showed you why he's just not quite all the way there yet. Like, there's still a little room for him to improve. Uh, I loved loved it, though. Great performance by Shaquille Griffin. I think that 7.9 yards per reception is an important number, though. They couldn't get anything deep on him. No. But... They, the, but the they went after they tried him to go shallow deep. a ton. The, the two times they tried to go they deep, paid. they paid. Yeah. yeah, he was like, uh-uh. Well, there was one, uh, one hail mary by Trubisky that was, I don't know, twenty yards. I thought that he got away with. I, I know you gotta, you know, you can't just take that away from Griffin. But at the same time, it, I don't know. I liked his performance. The team made a statement about Shaquem Griffin today to, uh, in this game too, which was that he's a special teamer until further notice. Yep. Uh, because yeah. they played him a lot on special teams and he looked good, uh, but he's just not going to. He's just not going to be a, a rotation, even a rotation player. Yeah, he just, wasn't ready. He killed us in that first game. Yeah, he's just not ready. Uh, other guys who played on special teams uh, a lot: uh, Mike Davis, uh, Justin Coleman, Barkevius Mingo, Nico Thorpe, and surprisingly, getting some special team snaps, Chris Carson, which I thought was just like, what? Why was? Why is he out there on special teams? But not in running. Back. But not running back. Yeah, yeah this was a confusing game. I, I agree with uh, I agree with both of your analysis. When it comes to the front office and the coaching staff, this game is had me scratching my head as hard as any single incidents. Um, are we ready to start talking about that? Can we talk about Dixon for a second? I know Nathan wants to go off, um, so, so I believe go Dixon. I believe I you mean this is Kevin's time. Can we settle into Punt Hub? Okay, this is I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little I'm gonna go a little anti Punt Hub here, Kevin. That's not allowed. Okay, but the 36.9 net yards, because he needs to learn, or the coaching staff needs to tell him, hey, if they have a really, really good returner, can you just, like, kick it out of bounds? Because the balls were going plenty far enough, but then Tariq Cohen was just shredding us on these returns. He was also... Four returns, 58 yards. Like, that's that's not great. Uh, the it was time, also really good. It was solid hang time, and he's putting it uh, just the, uh, to the, the coverage, side of the hash. The coverage, coverage not was up not the standard. Missed tackles on the first, making that first guy miss. Which that that's the thing. If their returner's really good, and he's going to make the first time guy miss because it's it's really far. He's kicking it very far. Like even if you have five seconds of hang time, if you kick it sixty yards, that okay. Yeah. Uh, so for me, uh, what I want to see in, in the next game is if it's a really talented returner, I'd like to see him just kick it out of bounds 50, 52 yards down the field or so whatever. So instead of kicking it 63 yards inbounds, you'd rather have 51 out of bounds? Uh-huh. I think that's he reasonable. Also did, didn't he shank one? Like uh, It was a bad snap, and he shanked it. Yeah. And he was not pleased with it. He was quite unhappy. Yeah. So, okay. But, okay, that that's it. I, I didn't want to come down on Dixon, but I think that's a coaching issue. And uh, I, I wanted to, to mention There's it. There's a piece I want to mention, though, too. What? So, he had two drop kick offs. Yeah, yes. and one of them was like one of them was bueno the one, and also honestly, that onside kick for a really weird thing wasn't bad. No, they tried something, and and it, he kicked it too hard. Can he, I try and coin a third nickname? Okay, go ahead. Because we already have punting <laughs> Jesus and punt he's hub. So, he's so in love. Everyone, can you hear it? Kevin's so in love. I'd like to put forth to the masses, exotic smash foot. Okay. All right. We're done. <laughs> we're done here. Okay. Uh, oh, jeez. You still have your own poison. Kevin's going to the other room for a minute. He's on. Kevin's in timeout right now. All right. Uh, oh, all right. I'm bringing the Kleenex. All right. Okay. Now it's uh, now it's all all vegetables from Nathan. Oh, is this, you want me to rant now? I know you're. Right. I know you're ready. Do it. Every maybe twice a season, you guys know I'm gonna rant about something, and um because I get mad about I start thinking about things and I just get angry, and so this is my one of my uh, my few rants of the season. It's about the front office, um, and the, the thing is, is that this front office is 
is so full of itself has a an infinite hubris to the point where they thought they could get away with trading every freaking first round draft pick and second round draft pick and then still end up drafting good players and you you look at what makes teams successful in the NFL, and that is having good players on a rookie salary scale. So when you go ahead and you trade a first-round draft pick that's going to make $4 million for Jimmy Graham, who's going to make $18 million, well, it damn well better work out because if it doesn't, and Jimmy Graham is just slightly above average, you gave up $13 million in salary that you could have used to go do whatever. And we saw it this year where Will Disley is giving us just as much at the tight end position as Jimmy Graham for like $18 million less. So when... Every time, I, and I get sick of it because, yeah, Dwayne Brown's good, right? But we gave up a second round pick and a third round pick to get Dwayne Brown. And then we traded back a bunch of times to try to backfill that thing. Well, we're losing value every time we do that. And the thing that bugs me the most is they say, oh, well, we've been drafting so good in the second and third round. Well, that was five years ago. The last couple years of second and third round picks have been not very good. You know who we picked in the third round the last couple years? Riso Diambo. Like the, these are the kind of guys that we're picking in the second and the third round now. So it's frustrating from that perspective. Also, there's a reason these guys get picked in the first round. They're good at football. And we're just deciding, yeah, you know what? We're just not going to pick any of those guys. We're just going to trade out of the first round and take throw some darts later. I, I'm just, I'm tired of it. And we don't have enough good players playing on the rookie salary scale. That's why the team is is not good. And it's it's different. So for Seahawks fans who are newer to the team, you might not understand what it's like to watch a team that's talent deficient like like this one, where they're they're good. Don't get me wrong. This team has nine win talent okay ish nine ish win talent but they're not better than every team they go step on the no, field against and the lat for the last five years i was comp every week going into the game i said we have as good or better talent than the other team this is the first this is the year where it finally caught up to us we haven't been drafting good enough we've been giving up too many draft picks and like those trades we made they've been pretty universally bad jimmy graham trade i would give that a like a d and the the Percy first carbon trade i give it an f minus uh, the Dwayne Brown trade, I'll give it like a C, but it's not good because we could have used those draft picks. We needed draft picks. Stupid Jeremy Lane. Jeremy Lane needs to pass his physical. That probably would have made the trade like a B plus. The, so Kevin, now that my rant's over, go ahead. Well, I you? just want to, um, basically see if I can fully grasp what you're saying. So what you're trying to say is, you know, Shaquille Griffin, Bobby Wagner, KJ Wright, Richard Sherman. These were all post first round picks, but don't forget Russell Okung and Earl Thomas were first-round picks. Oh, yeah. You, That's you, the thing. And the, and the thing is, all those guys were on rookie salary scale at the same time. So, like, you have your first-round picks on rookie salary scale. You have your third-round picks on rookie salary scale. They're all playing. They're all good. You're you're fine. Who's our first-round pick this year? That'd be a Rashad Penny. Yeah, like, we're not just – it's just we're not getting that much out of that first-round pick so far. And it and we you need those first-round picks to play. And you need – really, you need a lot of draft picks to play. Look at any team that's successful right now in the NFL. They have five to ten starters playing on a rookie salary scale. You want to hit on three or four from every draft. If you can hit on, like, four, four really important positions, too, playing on rookie salary scale. Like, right now, the Rams. Let's take the Rams, for example. They've got Gurley playing on rookie salary scale. They've got Goff playing on rookie salary scale. So they're able to load up everywhere, and the Rams roster is, like, absurd. It's, like, the the dumbest roster in the entire NFL. Yeah, and they're going to pay for it next year. But for right, right now, I mean, I would say they have not managed it the best, but they were allowed to do that for But, a like, reason. hold open the window and, like, then, you know, deal with the consequences as it comes. And the thing is, they still kept all their draft picks. So most of them. They're missing a couple. But they, mm -hmm. they have first-round picks and stuff. So... Yeah, I don't know. 
that that's that's kind of what I'm saying is you you keep keep your draft picks draft good that's how you build out your team look at New England New how does New England keep getting good well I mean yes they trade down but they just keep drafting well and they keep loading up and then they sign one or two key free agents every year you know that they bring in a cornerback or they bring in a uh, you know, a running back. Or well, something. you said they're drafting down, and that's one thing the Seahawks have done in the first round is they've they've traded away their first round pick over the years. And we used to make the joke like it doesn't matter, or we're or we're trading our first round pick for first round talent, but we're not getting younger. And these guys haven't panned out. You went through it, Nathan. I mean, Percy Harvin may be responsible for Golden Tate not being here. And I look at Golden Tate and don't tell me how happy he is making a like, modicum amount of money more than he would make here that we offered him playing in Detroit. I don't believe it. Like, our last three second-round picks are all starters, and I think they're all pretty good. Frank Clark, Jaron Reed, Ethan Posich. Like, I think those guys are all pretty decent. Like, I really like all of those guys. But what if we also had the first-round picks that went with those? Well, like what you said about Rashad Penny is we're not getting anything out of him now. Maybe he's going to be a huge superstar. But like you said, we need to hit on an impact player. And it doesn't have to be like a, an all-pro, but it has to be someone who, you but know, the other team has that, a game plan. Yeah, what if we had that really solid right guard to go with him? Or what if we had, you know, what if we had our 20, that extra receiver? Our 2015 or our 2017 first-round pick, and we picked, I don't know, like anyone. You know what I mean? It's just two more really Any talent, starting level player? Any, yeah talented player playing on rookie salary scale would be really really helpful to to this team right now well so, let's face it a pick right around 20th in the draft is the exact kind of pass rusher we said we want a guy who'll pick up who'll threaten double digit sacks you know you're talking about basically a second frank clark if we had two frank clarks think about how much better our pass rush would be right so i mean like like if you look we traded the 31st pick in the first round and you know who got picked first in the second round Landon Collins like I would love to have Landon Collins on the on the Seahawks right now you know I'd hell I'd take like Devin Funches you know guys who got picked in the early second round of this draft let's not go that far Devin Funches <laughs> dude he's pretty he's pretty good I I mean he's not like I'm, I don't I don't have a problem with our wide receivers and yeah I'm not well I'm not but that's a place so we there. wouldn't have had to sink more assets into this is true you know I would not take Mario Edwards, guys. Just just want to throw that out there. Ronald Darby, though, I'm in. Okay, so 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 uh, yeah. I mean, just saying. I'm just saying. Like, we needed we need to keep our draft picks. I'm 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 tired of the team that trades back or trades for big veteran contracts. I don't want to put more salary onto the team. Okay. I'm going to agree with you in one spot and disagree in another. Okay. Trading back always fine with trading a draft pick for a big veteran salary. That's that was exactly why when we had our the- our hypothetical around Khalil Mack why I said I wouldn't do it and that was because I really feel exactly how you feel right now even for a great a I would say Khalil Mack we can say is a generational talent sure even for that quality of player right now our team is not built to do that I mean it would be nice to have Khalil Mack it'd be fun to watch if they could have figured out a way to make the money work this year which is it doesn't but he's also getting paid Texas with a dollar sign for the next three years but uh but the thing about Khalil Mack is is that if you're paying Khalil Mack and you're paying Russell Wilson, that's 50% of your salary cap in basically two dudes, uh, which is not a good way to build an NFL franchise. So, All right. So I have one uh, Twitter question before we move on. Ooh, we to got Twitter questions? Next Let's week. do it. So uh, Bob Albert, or Super Stan, said, uh, The D held up well given the injuries. The right side of the offensive line is a mess. So how do we feel about the right side of the O-line and what happened to our 
rushing effort. I think we addressed this a bit, but would you guys want to give like a put a stamp on that? Uh, one thing I want to reach out uh, and answer here is something I spoke about with Kevin on the way over here. Khalil Mack was going to be a problem. He was going to bother Effetti all game. We knew it. But one thing that a couple people at work, they asked me, and I was like, ah, I kind of wonder why. Why did Jermaine Effetti take the three-step drop to guard Khalil Mack? And Kevin, uh, will you please explain this the way you talked about it? it? It made a lot of sense at the time. So I'd like to hear Nathan, because I know Nathan also really watches, especially uh, Rush ends well. But mm-hmm. what I saw happening was they were really worried about Khalil Mack's speed. Yeah, so they chipped him every time. To they chipped him, and that allowed Effetti to step back and catch him, which is not an ideal pass rush situation, but it, it prevents was, him it from kinda, getting flat. Beat. It kind of forces Khalil Mack to bull rush him, and we saw it. Like he got he got bull rushed a couple yeah, he got, times. Pretty he got bad. pushed into Russ as I equated it to Kevin. You you basically gave a freight train extra track to get going. Yeah, yes. but, but but at the same time he wasn't able to beat Effetti with the speed. He wasn't able to get a clean nope. shot on Russ. He's not. It gives Effetti a chance to be in a position where it's almost impossible for Mac to like go around him. I'll say this: uh, the Seahawks know that the right side of the line is a problem. We have uh, DJ Fluker coming back at some point. Uh, Jr. Sweezy is a stopgap right now. Jermaine Effetti and Disley seem to be working well together with Fluker there. I see that there's going to be some improvement. Uh, this is a really crummy thing to say, but we probably just have to wait for that moment to see if it can gel within a game of it happening. I feel like power running to the right side, like in the preseason when we had Postage working on that trap run, so it was uh, Disley and Fetty just bulldozing the right side with Fluker blocking back and Postage running the trap. We consistently had our running backs like three, four yards downfield before they were touched. That's not something we've had very often. We have like a really road grading right side of our line right now when healthy. J.R. Sweezy's just not a great player. He's not really a negative, but he's not giving us what we need. Like no he doesn't there, speak right? enough south. He doesn't speak deep south, man. That you got if you want to work with a Fetty, you got to speak deep south. That's how you that's how you get in his head. Speaking know? of people with accents, do we move to Dallas? All right, let's do it. All right. I'm ready. All right. Um, Dallas Cowboys, let's preview them a little bit. I watched uh, both of their games, uh, so I, I have uh, strong opinions on it. You Likewise. Ready for, ready for the first one? Do it. All right. Uh, without Travis Frederick, uh, the Dallas Cowboys offensive line is not as good as it used to be. In fact, I would say it is medium. Uh, Very medium. My note on the same thing, this offensive line looks like the cure to our pass rush problem. Travis Frederick is really good at football, and they need him back. Um, They say he's going to come back before the end of the season, but without him, I just think it's... The center position is important for communication, and I think he was like the the beating heart. Does that make sense? Yeah, on the right side, he just isn't getting it done. He made a huge difference. Like Him coming back and playing center will make this offensive line so much better. Um, or left guard if they want to keep Looney and bench Connor Williams. I, it doesn't matter. Whatever he plays, he's going to make the the line just so, so, so much better. And until that happens, this offense is uh, – their offense is uh, pretty – like it, it does not move the ball well. Uh, their wide receivers are a, a joke. They run one jokey play for Tavon Austin every game that's good, and then the rest of the game is the, – it doesn't seem like the clapper really knows what the hell he's doing. I'm glad that Tavon Austin has found a similar role doing not much in on a he different had one team. Re- he had one really good play last week. Yep. Uh, Tavon every Austin, couple games. 
proving that if you're drafted in the first round, you will always get chances. On the defensive side of the ball, I think their defensive line's pretty good. Uh, Lawrence and Charlton both create a lot of pressure. Uh, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of their work. Uh, I think Chidobia Woozy's really good, uh, but their safeties are, are are not great, and they they are very exploitable and they're very bad tacklers. So I think that that gives us a kind of a, an advantage to kind of pick on, you know, the middle part of the field with Disley. I could totally see him catching a ball on the seam, breaking two tackles, getting 40 yards. That's with Jeff Heath and uh, Kayvon Frazier patrolling the, the center field. It's it's not a, it's not exactly, uh, you know, tough sledding out there. Quick scouting report. What do you guys, uh, what would you, what would be your estimation of Dak Prescott? He's fine, but there's not enough around him to get yeah. him reliable. His receivers are not great, and the offensive line isn't blocking well. Once again, he had the softest landing spot for any rookie quarterback behind a all-time great offensive line, and didn't blow it. And he did not blow it this season. He's he's fine. Like there's nothing wrong with the way he's playing. But um, if I can get into my uh, my pressure stat, my nope, not that one. I'm trying to get this one. Here we go. When he's under pressure, he's really bad. And I looked this up earlier. That's why I was trying to get back to it. But 35% completion percentage so far this year under pressure. He's been sacked six times. Uh, He's just not, he's not able to handle the pressure very well. And so it makes sense that he was so good before. And this season, he's just kind of medium because their offensive line is a lot worse than it was in the past. So if you're looking for the way to disrupt this team, you know, get after Get after Dak Prescott. But here's the thing. Do it with four guys. When he's blitzed, 66.7% completion percentage, eight yards in attempt. He's very good at making a quick decision and throwing downfield. So you don't want to tr- you know, overload blitzes and just Especially try to get Especially with our face. right corner. You, you, you want to you just get pressure with four guys in the traditional sense. You know, As I've said for so long, it's the gold standard, right? Get pressure with four dudes. Make it happen. That's what the Seahawks need to do this Those week. are the old days. Well, the old days are when we knew it was going to happen no matter yes. what. Now it's like, maybe we'll get pressure with four guys. Let's hope this week we can get pressure with four guys. I think, That's Like I said, theme. though, I think at home it's a lot different. You got the noise of the crowd on your side. You've got all this. The, guy, the offensive line can't communicate as well. You've got the... The um the just the excitement of playing in front of your home fans like I think that there's something to that with this defensive line that's young, okay. Jaron Reed, Naz Jones, Frank Clark, these are all young, three years or less. They're all rookie rookie contract players. I think the young guys will play a lot 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 better at home. Kevin, yeah, Jeff, I also think Rasheem Green can actually get pressure on their right tackle because oh, yeah. he's not that good as a rookie as a rookie at home. You don't like Lyle Collins? Uh, I thought I as, think as a blocker, no. I thought he's been... Seems okay. like an all right dude. He's an all right person. I thought he's been okay. Like, I, I didn't think, like... Like I said, I didn't think any of these offensive linemen were outright bad. I mean... The, I don't think he's played against anybody. But, like, the, none of them are really that good. <laughs> like, Carolina's defensive line doesn't do much for me. Like, there's a chance Tyron Smith's just, yeah, like, not The Giants? Olivier Vernon's, like, solid. He's but... coming off a big injury. Like, I don't know. I'm Maybe Tyron Smith is, like... Not going to be as dominant as he was before either. I think we're going to get an answer to two questions. So their cornerbacks are solid on the boundaries, but not over the middle. I agree with your assessment. Working the middle of the field, oh, yeah, look for Brown or they, lock it on play action. When they pass to the safeties, it's like that play is <laughs> you won the play. Cause like, yep, they just uh, can't cover. They're just trying to make the tackle after. Safeties are not good. And then the question is... I feel like Lawrence is not a great pass rusher. I feel like he's great at eating up a bad offensive line. And so what we're really going to figure out is 
is Seattle's offensive line absolute trash or merely below average? And Taco if they're Charlton. merely below average, I think we'll do all right. Taco Charlton's pretty solid. He's turning the corner, I think. I think, I think Taco Charlton is Rasheem Green one year further along. Yeah, I agree. I think Taco Charlton's turning the corner. Like He's starting to become the player I thought he might be in the draft when they took him in the first round. Well, quite frankly, he's literally turning the corner. He's getting his body around <laughs> in the direction of the quarterback faster. One thing I think is weird is that they drafted Leighton Vander Esch, who a lot of people thought was like a close to finished product, pretty good linebacker, and then they just don't play him, uh, which, I don't know. Or they play him, like, a little bit, but that's weird to me. I, I agree. I feel like he should be on the field all the time, at least learning. Like, get him out there. I mean, I guess they're maybe they're waiting for Sean Lee to get hurt. and they're just <laughs> The inevitability. <laughs> the inevitable factor. All right, let's get to picks, boys. I want to pick Cowboys because I want to do a reverse jinx, but you know what? It's the first game at home. We're going to win it. Let's go, Seahawks. 31-17. to 17. Eric. Ooh, high score with a, a bad offensive line and Russ not communicating. I think it might be a little ugly. I've got 16 to 9 I Seahawks. Threw I threw up when you said that. That's 16. gross. Yes. Uh, I think that we're going to be able to work the center of the field, especially with our tight ends and running backs, um, which is something that our offensive play caller is adept to. And I think that we will be able to get pressure against a bad defense. The other thing is, we can shut down Zeke Elliott. Like, we have that ability in this game. And if we do that, their offense won't really be able to get a lot going. I'm going with Seattle 27, Dallas 17. All right. Let's get into the money. Kevin, your score is very oh, similar to mine. I like that. We're going to be doing college oh, yeah. games real quick. Kevin, can you tell us what... Uh, what to watch for? College oh games. my goodness! I'm going to give Nathan his favorite thing, and that is we have back to back Pac-12 after dark. Yeah, Pac-12 after dark. Another another good week. Another banner week for Pac-12 after dark. So we have Stanford at Oregon at was, 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Points, Kevin. That's all I care about. I want, I want points, and I got points. And that's Stanford. Uh, if you're looking for NFL talent, we have running back Bryce Love, who's excellent. So Wide good. receiver JJ Arcega Whiteside, who's like an oversized receiver. And then they have three offensive linemen: Nate Herbig, Brandon Fanica, and Jesse Burkett, who plays center. They have cornerback Elijah Holder and the kicker with the best name in kicking football right now, Jet Toner. Kevin, I have a question for you, though. Did you watch the Arizona State, San Diego State? I did, and that called back touchdown was some bullshit. It was rough, but, <laughs> but that game was exciting. Like It, it was, was. It was a really exciting really game. Really good game. Arizona could just could not get the run game going. And so that's my other game, Arizona State at Washington, 730 Pacific Standard Time. That's because uh, in the pack. Ten, in the pack 12 excuse me uh wide receiver Nikhil harry is really really talented but there's not a lot of great corner talent for him to go up against except at the university of washington so you're going to be able to see against nfl caliber cornerbacks how does Nikhil harry do whereas washington has jake browning you know solid backup quarterback potential running back miles gaskin caleb May mcgarry a right tackle i think manny wilkins is pretty good kevin like he, he's not like great i think manny wilkins is interesting but not nfl no. I don't think he's the type of player who'll get there. No. He he might get like a seventh round pick and get on a practice squad or something. But Yeah, they'll try and convert him to wide receiver because you know that's uh, what they do. Don't do that. He does he deserves better. Uh defensive tackle, Greg Gaines, <laughs> cornerback Jordan Miller, and then the two safeties, Taylor Rapp and Jojo McIntosh, um, are all players to keep an eye on if you're looking at scouting for the NFL draft. Yeah. 
So a lot of talent on the field for both of these games, and they should be pretty good, especially Stanford and Oregon should be an interesting matchup. Manny Wilkins rated out 18th best quarterback in this draft class. Uh, Priority UDFA, that's what it says. Yeah, where's Justin Herbert? Uh, He should be like in the top three. Yeah, seriously. Okay. Uh, All right. I think... Yeah, I, I think Washington's going to kick the kick the beat the brakes off of Arizona State. At I home, think they but. should, but if you're looking for some uh, just some interesting NFL talent, that's a decent game. Stanford, Oregon, man, that's going to be a that's going to be a show. That should I'm, be a slob and I'm very excited about that game. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, Money Zone. We uh, we pay, the Patreon helps us buy new stuff for the podcast, like microphones, and we're gonna we want to get a camera now. So if you want to support the sake, oh yeah, that's right. You can see our faces while we do the podcast. That's it's going to be dark times. That's a mistake. That's probably a bad idea for us, but whatever. <laughs> we'll put it right on uh, Eric's face because he's beautiful and we're ugly. Uh, so You're damn right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's 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 shout out our Patreons. Though we got Forrest, Tom, Lucas, Carrie, Kieran, Brett, Mike, David, Mirza, Keith, Arthur, Frank, Michelle, and Michael. Uh, thank you guys, and also Nick. Sorry, and there's all these Patreons. You guys support us. You guys make us keep going. It's very awesome for us. Uh, if you don't have any money and you're just like, hey, I want to still support the Seahawks Nest podcast, twitter.com slash Seahawks Nest, facebook.com slash the Seahawks Nest. Uh, give us five stars on your favorite uh, review app, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, um, whatever. Google Play Music, Wherever whatever. You, yeah, no, wait. It's app, It's Google Podcasts now. Oh. They, got, they made a podcast app. We are now up to 42 iTunes ratings. What was our goal, Kevin? Uh, was it 43? Oh, we're one away. Mm, you could be number 43. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, there'll be no prize. There'll be nothing. There's nothing for you. It's just, uh, they're all five star reviews. I don't know how, why people keep, you guys like us. I'm, I, uh, I, I know why. I listen to it also, and I think it's not that bad. <laughs> so, so, uh, thanks for your support. We appreciate it. And now it's time for a movie club. This week, uh, Sisters Brothers releases in four theaters, limited release. Looks like a very fun, uh, uh, interesting kind of movie starring uh, oh, John C. Riley, John C. Joaquin Riley. Phoenix. I almost said Philip Seymour Hoffman, and then I started shaking my head before I said it because rest R. in R. peace. Okay, but uh, it also very different character. It actor. also features Jake Gyllenhaal and Riz Ahmed together again. But the last time they were together was in Jake Gyllenhaal produced, Jake Gyllenhaal starred, Dan Gilroy directed Nightcrawler. Okay, and uh, we we've all uh, we've all seen the uh, the Nightcrawler. Uh, and I, I just gotta say, I I really like this movie. Uh, I really wanted to talk about it. I'm very excited to talk about it. Um, it stars Jake Gyllenhaal as like a what would you say, Eric? It's just a straight up sociopath. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a perfect explanation. <laughs> it, he, it's the YouTube era um, American Psycho. Yeah. He's, so. Don't forget, he's also he's <laughs> advantageous, um, quick to take any opportunity he can to to push himself to get better and. Uh, not in like a positive way, but to just increase his situation by any means necessary. Is that all about me? And I mean, it's not just Jay Gyllenhaal's character who's who's doing this. It's also like the Rene Russo Nina character who's mm-hmm. like she was great in this movie. She's, she's really good, and she's just like her crazy headlines and like stuff. It's just they're crazy people, and it kind of pushes Jay Gyllenhaal in a, in another direction. You know, like where he's like he keeps getting more intense because the ratings and the money and. It's just like um, it's a thriller, though. Like there's other elements in this movie, but I feel like this movie is a is a thriller because you just get more and more uncomfortable and uh, just more and more like it just it starts to like really this you feel it a little bit and I don't know like I really think that that's like the heart of the movie and the the, the best the best breakout role in this movie is Riz Ahmed who we've talked about before he was in Four Lions he's uh 
He's he's kind of a, a rising star. He did The Night Of on HBO, which if you've not watched yet, it's uh, 100%. You should go watch it. Great miniseries. Um, so Riz Ahmed plays Rick. And uh, what basically, what would you describe the Lou-Rick relationship like? Uh, uh, okay, so uh, let me describe Rick first. Rick is a guy who wants a better life, and he really wants to do better. He wants to work hard, but he doesn't have the ambition. So he's very easy to take advantage of, to which... Uh, and lose a straight-up sociopath. Yeah, so. and lose lo- happy to do that. And he's the consummate sidekick. Yeah, and it's... Uh, it's it's demeaning it's sad and it's just uh it at some point it just gets awful uh so, so I, I mean i don't want to give away the ending but i mean at the, yeah, end, of the, at the <laughs> end of the movie like lou is like really pushing rick to do like crazy crazy stuff but then rick tries to get uh some power back from from lou you know by by like gaining some leverage over him which when he does you can tell that is not rick's character and it's not a good idea because lou is as we have established straight up sociopath and he's and, and lou's calculating so when rick does that he doesn't quite know what he's doing he thinks he's being noble he thinks he's turning the tables but because he has no idea what he's doing lou is uh it's like it's like he's unknowingly you know gotten into a trap and lou's just you know and i mean the the ending of this movie where like uh, Lou has this crazy chase footage of this like uh, home invasion slash gunfight, and then Nina uh, finds out it's a drug deal gone wrong, but decides not to uh, report that because it makes the story more impactful. And the police ask for the tapes, but she won't give them. And then like when Lou gets interrogated, he just straight up lies about it. But they and they figure out he's lying, but they can't really prove it. So yeah, they, they don't know what he's what the truth is, so they can't catch they him. They can't catch him. And then at the end of the movie, it shows Lou, and he just hires like a new new team of interns and a like new the van. donut the donut store the donut uh, yeah. shop. That's it's just a uh, it's just a, it's a nutty movie. It's like really uh, it's actually saying something, which is pretty cool because most movies that now if you want to watch something that's actually saying something, you have to go to TV. You can't go to. You have to watch Breaking Bad, or you have to watch something like that to 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 find the movies that are actually saying something are fewer and farther between now. I would agree. I want to give you a couple of comparisons and see what you think about it. Okay. Uh, one of them is one of my favorite movies to consider. It's a it's a fun one to think about, and that's uh, Enemy of the State, a movie that came out prior to the Patriot Act, and you really felt like it could have come out in the early two thousands and really like encapsulated the era. I feel like. With kind of the YouTube style journalism, that this movie captures some of how that can go wrong. I, I almost think it's just more of a more of a thing about just sensationalist media. You know yeah. what I mean? Like like just like how the way everything now is just so over the top. Well, I'll, I'll go you one further. I don't think it's just stopping at media. It's sensationalist people or media that anyone is producing. YouTube, Twitch. These are. I mean, how many how many people are out there? making lots of money off being the top video game player or i'm gonna make stupid videos that get a lot of views on youtube but have you ever watched those they're not all that popular. i'm gonna have my you, pregnant girlfriend shoot me you know another yes. you know another neat thing about this movie that they do to like really make you like uncomfortable like the scene remember the scene where the the car the there's a car accident and lou wants to get a better shot so he like moves his car so it's lighting it better and then moves the body a little bit yes and the music in the background is like all like 
upbeat and like triumphant and you it, it makes you feel like oh man this guy you're in your head you're thinking like this guy's a real crazy like he's really like happy that this happened and like and like it makes you so supremely uncomfortable because it's like so gross playing like, with score is always a good move. yeah and so i think like they they did like an interesting thing there in this movie there's a lot of stuff like that like little things in this movie that i think is really really smart and it's funny we would all recommend this movie but would you guys really be fired up to see it again Fired up is not the term I would use. I don't. I don't want to see it again. It was really good, and I I could watch it, but I'm not going to be like, ooh, let's watch Nightcrawler. Can I give you my other movie? Yeah, this is taking a similar concept from a very different angle, and uh, when I think about uh, when I watched this other movie, it made me think of Nightcrawler, even though the parallel isn't exact. But uh, Nerve. Okay, oh, I never I saw that. Seen, I haven't seen it. But is that the the James Franco's like t- brother? It's like, it's like a teen movie, right? Where they're like, uh, they have yeah. to like keep doing stuff. Was yes, it, exactly. It it's good? like an app game. Was it's it a fun? really interesting movie that it, I really think is a good watch. Is it like a, one of those things where the concept's really good, so you you finish it no problem, but then at the end you're like, well, that was not as good as it could have been. I, I definitely felt like it could have been better because I mean, you you look at Nightcrawler, the cast on this is just bullets, and you look at. You look at the other movie, and it's it's very good and it's very clever. I mean, it kind of reminds me of a like Blue Ruin. There's like only four. Mm. There's only only like four actors in this movie, and they're all great. Like Jake Gyllenhaal, Bill Paxton, Paxton, Riz Ahmed, and then Rene Russo, who's who's the director's wife. Uh, wife. So like he when he wrote the role, he said like I had imagined my wife being able to do this, and um, so yeah, that that's pretty cool. Oh, she right. was great. I, I like it. All right, so. Um, yeah, uh, go watch Nightcrawler. Tell us what you think. Uh, it's American Psycho for the, for the, for the 2010s, uh, <laughs> for Kevin Garber and Eric Kronovic. I'm Nathan Sandin. We'll see you next week. Go Hawks.